a few, oh, years and years ago, we ran a home group, Shen and I, and, and uh, I remember one, one of the things we did one morning is, or one morning, one night, uh, was we said to half of the group secretively, uh, buy gifts for the other half of the group and, and don't tell them. And on that night, when they gave the gifts, when the people who bought the gifts, they were so excited to, to give the gifts to these people. And the other half of the group were embarrassed because they're like, did we miss something? Were we supposed to give? Were we supposed to bring something? And they like, oh, no, no, I didn't bring you anything. I didn't give you anything. And the point of, the point of that was that in, in, in God, in Christ, he's done it all for us. All we have to do is receive. We just have to learn to be good receivers of what he has done. And we're suckers for wanting to do something more for God to try and get him to love us more when the reality is you can't because you didn't do anything to deserve it in the first place. And so I just want to encourage us this morning as we delve into the word, as we go into some scriptures, I might, I might get passionate this morning. That might happen. I'm just, I'm just feeling it. Um, and, and so if I do, I'm not yelling at you. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm yelling with you. <laughs> All right. And so <clears throat> you um, just, just, I'm preempting that. Okay. So if you, uh, if I do get passionate, I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm not cross. I love you dearly. All right. So uh, last week, for those that weren't, weren't here, we did a, we started a series on the covenants of God and, and the different, uh, the Noahic covenant. Does anyone remember the next one? Uh, oh, yeah, that's the type of covenants. But, yeah, we'll, we'll go through that in a second. Oh, no, the, Noah, that's first. Yeah, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus. Good. <laughs> okay. So, and then the types of covenant where there was grant covenant, which was, for those, just a little bit of repeat, which is for those that you have a, a bigger power who's like, I'm never going to flood the earth again. Right? It wasn't contingent on what you and I do. It was, I'm never going to do it. Right? And so then you have a kinship covenant, which the best way to describe it is marriage, two equal parties coming together. And then there's another one called the Vassal covenant, which we'll get into uh, in Moses' time that comes in in David's time. So... But those three types of covenant, you can look that up. That's, that's not, I haven't made this up. This is something that's been, the language that's been used by a lot of different theologians and people. And so we're going to go through Abraham this morning. And we talked about Noah last week and the shadows and the types uh, that, is, that is in the Old Testament that points to Jesus, right? So the shadow points to the substance and Jesus is the substance. Does that make sense? And so Jesus revealed what was concealed in the Old Testament. He reveals it in the New. It's really clear. And so here, uh, Abraham, Abraham's covenant, we talked about the canon. So the canon of the covenant is the history surrounding that covenant previously and after. Really, Abraham sort of starts in Genesis 12 and really goes right through to Gen- the, the end of Genesis um, but there's, there is a clear distinct Genesis 12 to around 25 are kind of the clear uh, portions of Abraham and Sarah. And it's fascinating, just a fascinating uh, part. Sarah, there's a whole chapter on Sarah. One whole chapter devoted to Sarah's life and her journey and it just gives her that credit. That's amazing. There's no other whole chapter on any women in the, in the Bible apart from Sarah. It's pretty cool. And uh, they take a whole chapter on, on Sarah, which is just amazing. And so Genesis 17, if you go there, we'll just read the covenant uh, declaration. <clears throat> Genesis 17, it's toward the beginning of your Bible. It's page 14 of my Bible. <laughs> I, uh, I, I sent Dean a, a meme, I think, I think it was Dean, I sent a meme during the week of pictures of two goats. And uh, one goat says, I want to be the, 
the leader of my flock when I grow up. And the other one says, I want to be a premium Bible. (laughs) That's the word of the Lord. (laughs) Well, here it is. Now, this is an Allen. Can I just take a moment? Can I, be, can I be Bible nerd for a moment? This is an Allen's Bible, Allen, A-L-L-A-N. And uh, the, the um, king loved the Allen's Bible so much, loved the handiwork and the craftsmanship so much that uh, he gave the rights to the King James Bible to the Allen family. And, uh, and so they have the rights to the King James Bible. They're a German uh, family. And they have the rights to uh, the King James, and they make just really beautiful Bibles. And uh, of all different um, versions, this is an ESV, but they do all different versions. And, uh, and so they're, yes, they're not cheap, but um, you pay $700 for a gym membership. You can pay, they're not $700, but they, they, uh, you can pay for the Word of God. Pretty close, Shen says, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So if you want to get your next, next birthday, if you want a gift <laughs> idea, I'll take another one. <laughs> anyway, I'm joking. All right. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. And uh, so when Abram was, sorry, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and my and." may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. Right. So here we have the covenant declaration of Abram going to Abraham and I will make you a father of, of nations, right? And then, he, so he's 99, right? And then he gets, obviously, for those, I'll just rehash this. He get, you get the story of, hey, I don't have any children, right? So how am I going to be a father of nations? So he has this promise, you're going to, you know, you're going to have a son, and there's four times in Scripture that the son is named in the womb. There's four times in Scripture that the son is named in the womb before they're born. Does anyone want to have, have a crack at what they are? John the Baptist. We should get two. <laughs> right? And Jesus. Yes, well done. So John the Baptist and Jesus. And then the other two are? No. Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael is a representation of the promise of God when you try and do it on your own ways. It was like, you're going to have a son. He's like, well, I'm old. Sarah's old. You know, I'll take her, her, her slave. and let's, ha- let's do it that way. Right? The promise of God was there. But when you take the promise of God and you try and work out the process in your own human thinking, you get Ishmael. When you leave it up to God and you just follow his voice and be obedient to what he says and trust him more than you trust the process, then you get Isaac. Right? And... And so when Isaac comes on the scene, uh, obviously eventually he does get Isaac and Isaac comes on the scene and then God's like, I want you to, it says that God tested Abraham. It It wasn't a covenantal condition, it was a test of relationship. Hebrews 11 says, and God tested Abraham to see if he was faithful in what I was telling him to do. Now, child, you might think, well, that's, that's intense from God to ask him to kill his son. Child sacrifice was very common in that time. 
that they would sacrifice children to their gods, to whatever god they worshipped, they would sacrifice children. Unfortunately, it still happens today uh, in some tribes and, and different things. That's, that's what they do. And so here, excuse me, I've got a bit of fluff or something. Here, God's testing Abraham to see, will he be faithful with the promise of God that I've given you? It wasn't a test of covenant, it was a test of relationship. And so, because the, the promise was, I will make you a great nation. Are you getting it? I will make you. I will do it. I'll be the one to fulfill it. I mean, how many times does Abraham mess it up? Right? If you follow the story of Genesis, he lies twice about Sarah. Right? And even he comes into, the, he comes into I forget the guy's name now, the, the king's uh, dream, and he says, do not touch her. God is faithful to fulfill his promise. Right? And so here, here, he takes Isaac on the mountain, which I shared this a few, um, a few months ago. Thank God Abraham was current with the voice of God. Otherwise, he would have killed, Abraham, uh, killed Isaac. Thank the Lord that Abraham was current with the voice of God. And he says, no, 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 don't kill him. And Hebrews, Hebrews 11 says... Uh, that he, was, he believed him and it was credited to Abraham as righteousness because he believed that he would even figuratively that he would be raised from the dead, which he did receive him back. I mean, I don't think I need to even spell that out, what that shadow is pointing to. That shadow is pointing to one day there'll be someone who'll be raised from the dead. Right, One day, there'll be someone who will not just be raised from the dead and then die again. There'll be someone who's raised from the dead and go to be with Jesus, go to be with God in glory. Amazing. That's the foundation. The foundation of our faith, guys, is we believe in dead raising. That's the foundation. We believe a man, and he was a man, says the Bible says a thing to be grasped. Right? That he was a man, born of a virgin, died and rose again from the dead. That's incredible. <laughs> that just blows my mind. Right? So that's the foundation of our faith. Ishmael represents, if, if you put it this way, if I can correlate Ishmael, Isaac, John and Jesus. Ishmael, uh, sorry, John the Baptist, it says that he was the, the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. Right? Old Testament. Greatest prophet in the Old Testament was John the Baptist. It says the least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. Why is that? Why is the least in the kingdom greater than John the Baptist? If I can jump a few points ahead. In the Old Testament, it says Abraham, it was credited to him righteous because he believed in God. If I'm just going to chuck out a theology term here. But that means that Abraham was imputed to him righteousness. Right? So it was imputed to him righteous. It was like, I'm going to, you are righteous because of your faith in me, but your nature remains the same. You're still sinful. Right? The difference in the new covenant is now we're not, we don't just have imputed righteousness, we have imparted righteousness. And we actually become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not just the righteousness of, not just a belief in God, but we have the righteousness of God. We don't just have faith in Christ, we have the faith of Christ. There is a difference. And so here you have John is the greatest in the old, the least in the kingdom is greater than him because you have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's a good deal. It is a good deal. Our main verse for these that uh, we, we went to was Hebrews 8 where it says the, the, uh, we have a better covenant enacted on better promises. If the first covenant was perfect, there wouldn't be a need for the second. That is talking about the Mosaic covenant. But... 
Um, just some quick things. Matthew 1, it says, Jesus, a son of David, a son of Abraham. So Jesus, he, he enacted, he, he, he grafted into the promise of God that he had here in Genesis 17, where he said, I'll make you a father of many kings will come from you. Well, you and I are king of kings. We are, king of ki- we are kings of king, of the king. We're not the king, right? And so here we're grafted in, not just for the circumcision party, the Jews, but also the uncircumcised party, the Gentiles. Unless you're a Jew in this room, you're a Gentile, right? And so I've just given it away, but what is the sign of Abraham's covenant? Circumcision. <laughs> I was going to have a knife here and pull out a knife, but I thought I better not. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I will not do that. Uh, Luke, Luke 1, let me just read Luke 1 to you uh, real quick, because this is another fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant that Jesus fulfilled. Uh, Luke 1, 72. This is Zechariah's prophecy that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all our days. Right, So Abraham is known as the father of faith because he believed God. Abraham is known as the father of faith that you and I are, are children of Abraham. Amen. Abraham was also the first man to, he, he was the first man to give a tenth. He said, I just want to give a tenth to the Lord. I want to give a tithe to God. He was the first person to do that. Very important because it's, it's awesome because he did it outside of the law. It came from a, the place of his heart. It wasn't a legal thing. It was a heart thing. Right? Hmm. Here's another one. Let's go to Acts 3 real quick. Acts 3, and then I'm going to get into circumcision. <laughs> Listen to this, Acts 3.25. This is just for you guys to take home. Acts 3.25. Uh, verse 23, I'll read from. And it shall be every soul who does not listen to that prophet... ...and shall be destroyed from the people... ...and all the prophets who are spoken from Samuel... And those days who come after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophet and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In in Abraham's offspring. So here, the offspring that he's talking about when he prophesies it in Genesis 17 is talking about the day there'll be an offspring that'll come out of the side of Jesus. Right? If you do the genealogies in Matthew, there's 14 generations, 14 generations, and then there's 13 generations because there's one missing. Because Jesus enacts the new generation, a generation never before seen that came out of the side of Jesus as a prophetic picture from... Eve came out of the side of Adam, we, the bride of Christ, come out of the side of Jesus, and we are that generation called the bride of Christ. We are the generation never before seen before. We are that generation, both Jew, Gentile, Greek, slave, circumcised, uncircumcised, that is who we are. Come on. Right, so here that's what is talked about. Romans ten nine is both the Romans ten nine is awesome because he says if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is life and saviour of your life, Lord, David knew God as Lord. Abraham knew he was a saviour with Isaac. 
It's a promise and a fulfillment of the Davidic covenant and the Abrahamic covenant is Romans 10.9 as Lord and Saviour of your life. I just give I can take a moment. I think the church in general knows God as Saviour. I oh, saved me from my sins. He saved my soul. But he's also Lord of your life. He's Lord. That means you don't get to decide and change the narrative of this book to fit what you want it to say. He's the one that wrote the thing. You adjust to him. And if he says, this is how it is, then that is how it is. I love you. But we need to come back to the fact that he's Lord of our life as well. That he's Lord. And that we actually make him Lord. David says, I put the Lord before me. He doesn't take God and place him there. (laughs) That's him saying, everything that we do in our life, in our family, the way we raise our kids, the way we talk to people, the way we uh, steward our finances, the way we enact in our behaviour, is because he's Lord of life. We don't, Christianity, I've said this before, Christianity is not you behave accordingly and then he loves you more. Christianity, Christianity is you have a brand new life called the born again nature in Christ and then out of that you behave the way that you respond because it's your natural nature now is a saint. Your natural nature is a saint. You're not a natural sinner anymore. You were a natural sinner, but now when you're born again, you're a natural saint. So you are a saint by nature. All right? Now we're going to get into the circumcision stuff. All right? (laughs) So the sign is circumcision. So let's go to Colossians 2, verse 6. Colossians 2. Actually, let's go to Romans 4. Sorry. Put a, put a, put a marker in, in Colossians 2. We'll finish there. And I'm really going to go after this imparted righteousness that you and I have now. Uh, let's start at verse 1. What then shall we... S- What then shall we say was gained by Abraham? This is Romans 1. Our forefather according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. But not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works his wages are not counted as a gift but as his Jew, right? So here he's saying Abraham didn't earn the righteousness. He believed God and it was counted to him, right? And so he's, he's, he, Paul is, is building a case for the grace of God and the righteousness of God now in the new covenant. He's going back and he's saying, listen, Abraham didn't work. If he, Abraham could have boasted in that, but he didn't. He believed God and it was a credit to him as righteousness. It was imputed to him as righteousness, right? And he used working. If you work, you've earned that labor. But Abraham didn't, didn't do that. Does that make sense? And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Let's keep going. Uh, we'll skip. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. What did John the Baptist say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Right? So here Paul's answering a question that maybe they've asked or maybe he's addressing something that he thinks probably will come up. Right? 
because he's talking to uh, Gentiles as well as Jews. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? So here he asks the question, did Abraham get righteous, become righteous by because of the, the act of a circumcision or was it by faith in God? And he answers that. It was not after, but before he was circumcised. Right? He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was not to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised, which is he's talking about Israel now and, and Jewish people, who are not merely circumcised but also who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Keep going, verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world did not come through the law, but through righteousness of faith. For if it is the um, adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. Right? For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Wow. That's amazing. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. If I commit murder and the police come and try and charge me for murder, but I have also died, right? If I kill someone, I know this is graphic, but we're just talking about circumcision, so it's all right. (laughs) Sorry for you visual people in the room. Um, If I commit murder and I also die and the police come, the law come to try and convict me of law, of, of the law of murder, but I'm dead, right? They have no legal grounds to convict me of murder because it's no longer I who live. The, trans, the, the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgressions. All right, come on. All right, Colossians, are you there? Colossians 2. I'm just going to read this, Galatians 3. Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Does he, stay at Colossians, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do by the works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Right, this is, this is the New Testament now. So Colossians 2.6, we got there. Colossians 2.6. Therefore, as you received Christ, how did you receive him? By faith through grace. By faith, through grace, Ephesians 2.8. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So you received him by faith, through grace. How do you walk in Christ? By faith, through grace. Paul addressed that in Galatians. He says, you foolish Galatians, who bewitched you what you've received through grace? You're now trying to get through perfection through the law. Why are you doing that? Why are you putting yourself under a curse again? And then he goes on, he says, I wish you'd just go the whole hog and emasculate yourself. That's intense. Paul's like, stop beating around the bush of this stuff and just cut the whole thing off. (laughs) That's what Paul says. I I tell you this, Paul and Jesus be kicked out of most churches for what they preached. I'm telling you, they wouldn't be welcomed back on most pulpits. <laughs> yep, it's true. <laughs> I remember this, uh, this is a joke, but if I can just lighten you up for a second. But this pastor, he, he said um, to Jesus, Jesus was in the car and, and Jesus said uh, to the pastor, he said, hey, you know, what's that church like over there? And Jesus, in the pastor said, I don't know, I've never been. He said, yeah, me neither. 
That's harsh. That's harsh. Anyway. <laughs> that's, I should, that's, yeah. <laughs> Colossians 2. All right. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy hmm, and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, in who? In Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him. Oh my goodness. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Christ and you have been filled in him. When people say where two or three are gathered, well, there's me and three geniuses in my mortal body. So there's always two or three. Always. One with God is the majority. One person in God is the majority. If you want to have a good prayer meeting, you and Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit will do. Right? Come on. He dwells in me. Three geniuses dwell on me. That just that needs to be a good day every day. You wake up, you're like, oh, I have geniuses living in my mortal body. I cannot have a bad day. That doesn't mean challenges don't happen. That doesn't mean things don't come your way. That doesn't mean there's storms. But my God calms storms and rebukes them. I'm, I'm getting warmed up. All right. <laughs> For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. I really believe this this morning. God's giving people his authority back. Some of us wonder why nothing's happening in our world when and we have a theology that God is in control of absolutely everything and he's sovereign, but he's not in control of everything. He's in charge of everything, but he's not in control of everything. It's the will of God that none should perish. Are people perishing? Absolutely. I'm not going to go down that tra rabbit trail this morning, but... We need to change our mindset for the kingdom of God has been given to the sons of God and daughters of God. And he said, go and extend the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Some of us need to take authority in areas of our life. All right. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Thank God you live in the new covenant, men. All right. <laughs> in him you also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing, triumphing over them in him. That's a difficult word to say. Yeah, come on. Right? If you want to study this out, you need to read that Colossians passage again. Right? So here you were, you were... You were in, the, in your flesh, you were sinful. 1 John 1 8 says, If anyone confesses he has no sin, he is a liar. So, in, and John's addressing something. He says, If anyone says they've never sinned, they're a liar. Right? Anyone. That's available for us today. If anyone says they've never sinned, they are a liar. Right? 1 John 2 then, he says, In the next passage, he says, uh, I'm, I'm going to quote it wrong, so I want to read it properly, right? 1 John 1, 
1 John 1, 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Right? So here, John says it's possible to live your life not sinning. The the most Christian life for so long for me was don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. Go your week, don't sin, don't sin. Do this, do this, right? Come, Come back on church on Sunday, confess your sins and have another terrible week again, right? My Bible says that the circumcision of my flesh, my sinful nature, was crucified and nailed to the cross of Calvary. That Jesus didn't just die for you, but he died as you. And that when Ephesians 2.8, when we believe by faith through grace that we're saved, we're born again. Well, you're not born again from sin into sin. You're born again from sin into the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that you and I have become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's not a a figurative sense for one day. 1 John 4.17 says, As he is, Jesus, so are you in this world. Come on. As he is, Jesus, so are you in this world. I lamb. But why do I keep why do I keep falling back to these ways? Numerous reasons. Right? One of them is for so long the church we've preached you're a sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner and you are saved by grace. But now you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Stop fixing your eyes on sin or you will sin by faith regardless. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and you will live out the Christian life. So walk in him. He says, as you receive Christ, so walk in him. So you have the imparted righteousness now, not just imputed righteousness. I shared this analogy last time, but I'll do it. I think I did it at the Jesus night. But if I get Dean up, Dean's Jesus. You were Jesus last time, right? And just because I want to mess with your theology, Shen, you can be God. <laughs> I'm just, right? Dean, come, come, come here, come here. So Shen, you just stand there, right? And, and, and Shen's God, Dean's Dean, Jesus, and I'm me, right? And for a long time, the church has said, God looks at me and thank God that Jesus is standing in the way of me and he's covering my sin. He's put his arms out to cover my sin, but he's actually covered my sin. He hasn't, he's not, he hasn't imputed my, that. He's imparted himself in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. So now it's not God looking through, through Jesus, but I'm still filthy and rotten. It's God looking at me with Jesus living inside my mortal body, right? So that's how he sees me. You can grab a seat, (laughs) right? So if you go, uh, just real quick, 1 John, uh, sorry, John 16, he says, I go to the Father. Oh, actually, I'm going to mess it up. John 16, how are we doing for time? Nearly done. Listen to this. This will, this will hopefully help you. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking. For if I do not go away, the helper, the, the uh, parakletos, the helper, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to to the Father. And you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Right? So why does he go? He goes to send us the helper, the, the parakletos, 
the Holy Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit will come and live in our mortal bodies. Romans 8.10 says, The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. Hebrews 9.28 says that Jesus is, is coming back a second time not to deal with sin because he dealt with sin correctly the first time. Right? Uh, George and Banoff, he says, if, if, if you can only get free of sin when you die, then death's your saviour, not Jesus. Right? So we now, the word of God, we're going to learn this in the Bible nights, the word of God isn't a measure that we look through. It's a mirror that tells us who we are. It's a mirror that we reflect, this is who I am. So when you read something, you're like, oh, I'm not measuring up to that. No, it's not a measuring stick. It's a mirror that declares who you now are in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus is not just the truth about God. He's the truth about you. Right? And so this thing of of circumcision, circumcision is a one-time process. It's not a progressive thing. That's called torture. I put it this way. I'm married to my wife. That was a one-time event. Now I'm learning how to have an awesome marriage with my wife. I'm not becoming more married. I can't. That's called the gift of grace. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. Because of the gift of grace, I'm now married and I'm becoming, I'm learning how to have an awesome marriage. You're born again. You are born again. You're not becoming more born again. And if you don't know God in this room, you need to. It's a good day for salvation. It's a good day to give your, your, to transfer from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. It's a good day for it. But let's go back to to John 16 there and 1 John John 2, sorry, in that verse we were on. It says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if, if anyone does sin, right? So I'm not, I'm not preaching sinless perfection, Right? If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Right? So here, he says, I have an advocate with the Father. That language is, is, uh, is courtroom language. It's legal language. But the actual word, if you look it up in their Greek, is the word parakletos. It's the Holy Spirit. Here Jesus says, uh, John says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. If anyone does sin, though, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What did Jesus say? I'm going to go. It's good for me to go. It's what a good father does. A good father leaves a great inheritance to his children. Right? A good father dies to leave an inheritance to his children. Then he goes, he says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. What's he going to do? He's going to convict you of all truth. Right? He's going to come and live in you. If you sin, you have the Holy Spirit. What does it say? You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You have the Trinity. You have the Holy Spirit with the Father convicting you of righteousness. So you don't have Jesus standing, no, 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 don't punish him, don't punish him, don't punish him. They're one. They're united. They're not divided. They're united. So you've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When we forget or we've got habits or things that we walk in or we don't know fully the truth of who we are and we we mess up, we stuff up, it's like, oh, I've just got to run from God. No, you've got to run to God and and go, all right, I'm going to get into my word. I'm going to get in the spirit of God. God, I prayed for four years. God, show me who I am and show me who you are. That's a good prayer to pray. Show me who I am and show me who you are so that I can live this thing out. Because I'm sick and tired of just week to week struggling with sin, struggling with these things. And he said, stop fixing your eyes on sin and fix your eyes on me. 
It says, I've created you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? And then, and then 1 John 2, he says, all right, so you, now if you sin, you have the parakletos with the Father and Jesus Christ the righteous. And he's saying, Liam, this is who you are. Stop doing that thing. You're righteous. I've made you righteous. Now walk in it, son. Walk in it, daughter. This is who you are. Jesus, come on. God, come on. Let's show him who he is. That's the difference. Because if you're trying to get righteous by doing more and coming, becoming more, that's called self-righteousness. And Jesus just is not fond of that. <laughs> He's really against that because then none of us can boast. We can't boast. I can't. This isn't, I'm bragging, but I'm not bragging about how good I am. I'm bragging about how good he is. So, Christianity is not picking up the foreskin and putting it around your neck. I'm serious. And carrying it around as a badge of honour. I'm, I'm, I know that's funny, but I'm serious. Christianity is not the broken pieces of your life being nicely glued back together. Christianity is you're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. And here's a brand new life called the born again reality that you and I live in now. And that's what Abraham pointed to many, 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 many moons ago. <laughs> that we were saved, that our souls were saved. Are there things in our life that we, we continue to work out? And those? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's called the renewed mind. A lot of us say we need to go from our head to our heart. I think sometimes we need to go from our heart to our head. Because the heart of our life is no longer sinful. It's the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And now our head needs to catch up to what our heart has been done through the blood of Jesus. And that's what repentance is. Repentance is we change our mind and believe the truth. Let's stand. <clears throat> if you don't know Jesus in this room this morning, if you, you're like, I don't have a relationship with God I would love to pray for you right now. I might just jump up here because I'm, I'm very tall in stature in the spirit. But If you want to know God, you're like, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give, I, I, I'm, I'm tired of doing this my way. I'm tired of doing this. This isn't, if you know you're saved, that's fine. You may have walked away from God. You might be doing things, you know, your way, that's fine. That's, this isn't, you know, this is a salvation message that you want to give your life to Jesus today. If that's you, I'd just love to pray with you and I'd love to pray now, right now. I'd actually, I'm going to be bold and say, would you come down and I'll pray with you right now where you are. I just want to pray right here, right now, because, and the reason I'm doing this, because number one, all of heaven rejoices when one soul comes, comes to Christ, right? And, and we, we, not to embarrass you at all, at all, right? But to say, hey, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We want to champion with you, and we want to, we want to um, get to know you and, and, and see that happen. So if that's you, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to come down the front right now where you are. Just come and I'm going to pray with you, just personally. I know it takes courage, so if you're with someone, um, come down with them. But if, if not and you want, you're like, I'm too, I'm too embarrassed, I, I don't want to do it right now, I'd rather do it later, but God's tugging on my heart, then uh, that's fine as well. well. We'll open up this space for prayer in a moment and you just come down uh, in that moment as well and say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm just going to ask one more time. If that's you and you want to come down right now, just come. We'd love to just champion you and celebrate you.
All right. This is what we're going to do. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. We're just going to pray. I'm going to pray. And then um, we're just going to open. I'm just going to get our team, some of our team to come up the front. And uh, we're just going to pray for people. I really believe God. Who, who in here, you, you've got circumstances and situations in your life that you just, the authority of God needs to penetrate this situation. Can I just, just, we obviously don't know the circumstances, but okay. I just really believe the authority of God is, is going to come. And you're just going to be awoken to it. And, uh, and so, Father, I'm just going to pray for that. God, I just pray right now for the authority of God right now in their life, in circumstances just to shift, where there's been storms, where there's been uh, blockages. God, that you would show them how to pray. You would show them how to pray. God, that they, would be dev- they, they are mighty in tearing down of strongholds. I just pray for the authority of God to rule and reign in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, team, can you come down? Some of the elders and team, can you guys come down the front? We're going to just pray. I'm going to just pray a blessing over you guys. And then uh, if you need prayer for physical healing, uh, just any emotional healing, anything at all you need prayer for, please come down the front. These guys would love to pray with you. Anything at all. They'd love to just pray with you and lay hands on you and, and, and just encourage you guys. So let's, let's just stick our hands out right now and just receive, receive from the Lord. So Father, I thank you that you, oh, may we never, ever, may we never, ever forget the promise of God over our life. That is, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. May we not, Just use it as language. But may we grow in intimacy with you. That may the righteousness of God be a doorway to the bedroom of intimacy with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I pray for those that may be struggling with their identity today, that they would be awakened to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We just say, arise and shine for your light has come. That you, you, you wrote, God, to the saints, to the saints in Colossians, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints. And I just, I just speak to the saints in Lilydale right now. I say, arise. It's time to step up. It's time to step out. It's time to take up our rightful place in the King of glory, with the King of glory. That we would arise and shine as sons and daughters of God. And we thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you all the honour and all the glory. You have done this for us. We couldn't do it and you did it. And it's counted to us as righteousness. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's give the Lord a hand. Come on.